Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we're live at Bullhorn FM. Uh, for those who got the tweet and are joining us, they'll be able to ask questions and interact with us. Uh, definitely watch our Twitter for those. But uh, otherwise, if you're listening to the podcast, just another podcast for you. Yeah, well, we're doing the thing as always. We're just experimenting. You know, way back in the early days of .NET Rocks, we would do uh, I, uh, we would stream the raw feed and have like an IC an IRC session open. That's right. Uh, you know, and this sort of and this is a little more sophisticated. Plus, we have a little okay. video. You know, IRC stands for Internet Relay Chat, and it's <laughs> right. what the world used. I'm talking to you, millennials. It's what the world used before Facebook and all these things. other instant messages. Well, and I remember like the very the first IRC implementation was at the Supercomputing Center in Urbana, Illinois. Wow. And that You're was when old. the internet was so fragile that every so often it would split in half and then there'd be two IRCs because one was on one side of the network and one was on the other side of the network. Wow. I say you're old, but I'm just as old as you are, actually. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, I think you might be younger than me. Um, no, no, you're I'm older you're a than month, you. I'm like two month, weeks or three yeah. weeks older than you, something like that. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we ought to spin up the crazy music for a thing we call Better Know a Framework. Hey, buddy, what do you got? All right, well, uh, this being show 1791, can you believe it? Yeah, unbelievable. If you go to 1791.pwop.me, that'll take you to a YouTube video that also has a link to this new thing called DAL-E2. DAL-E2 is a new AI system that can create realistic images and art from a description in natural language. That's creepy. This is open AI stuff here, kids. Okay. Um, it doesn't actually take actual images and put them together. It creates new images. It's absolutely crazy. It will create original images okay. from a description. Yeah. So in the video, there's a, if you scroll down to the link section, there's a link to openai.com slash dal-e-2. And then there's some more um, things there. But you could say stuff like um, uh, a bowl of soup with teddy bears and an astronaut. <laughs> and it would actually create... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's You know, we've nuts. been talking about all the ways you can capture kids with iPads and things. How long would a kid play with this? Just yeah. pure creativity and the machine keeps manifesting it. That uh, Dutch Master Vermeer painting of the uh, woman, young girl looking over her shoulder. I can't remember what it's called. There's a, it did variations on that. You just, I guess, told to make variations of these uh, paintings and it did. That's crazy. Yeah, you can tell it to do it in the style of. So you could say like a, uh, you know, a pickle wearing a cowboy hat in the style of Picasso, and it'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I would like to play around with. It. I haven't played around with it, but I would like to say stuff like um, uh, show a picture of the Empire State Building if Antonio Gaudi designed it. Mm. Yeah, in the style of Gaudi. Right. It's <laughs> great. Anyway, that's what I got. That's awesome, dude. That's crazy. I, and yeah, I, you know what? It's a let. It's not. It's not like it's hijacking an election or sending out fake news. It's just making stuff. 
Yeah. Right? It's making art. So, well, I'll call that. It's like the candy crush of AI. Yep. That's what I got. Who's talking to us, Richard? Awesome, man. Well, I grabbed a comment off of Phil's last show, which was 1726. So, you know, only a, a little less than 100 shows ago, which we call, I titled, A Very Serious Bot. <laughs> uh, we yeah, were t- right. That was the beginning of Abbott and the whole chatbot thing. And that's from February of 2021. So a little more than a year ago. And uh, there was a bunch of good comments on this. This one's from Stephen Suing, who said, This show was really great and inspiring. I love the idea of chat ops. The company where I work now is a perfect example of what you discussed on the show. The Mm -hmm. deployment process starts with an email request, then an email acknowledgement, then some follow-up emails, and then some confirmation emails. Uh, The flow is repeated over and over again, and it's difficult to change because it is a people-based manual process. With a chat bot, this could be automated, enhanced to require approvals as needed. The best part is it's completely transparent and repeatable. I was disappointed to hear that Phil's product doesn't support WebEx teams, but I suppose that's only a matter of time. Get to that one yet, <laughs> Phil? <laughs> Not yet. Not, Not yet. Not yet. Oh, well, Stephen, you got to wait a little longer. Thanks so much for your comment and a copy of Music Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music Code Buy, write a comment on the website at rocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment on the show and I read it on the air, uh, we'll send you a copy of Music Code Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet and uh, definitely send a picture from Dally that says, send a picture of the Twitter logo a la Elon Musk. <laughs> what does an Elon logo look like? I don't even know. I it sounds know. like he's getting ready to dump his Twitter stock anyway. And of course, this show's publishing, you know, a couple of weeks from now. So goodness knows what's going to happen in this whole Twitter fiasco. Who knows what happens? But I, I heard today that Twitter is uh, rejecting his offer and they're putting in place a quote unquote poison pill yeah. to keep this, him from doing that. And I have no idea what that means. Now, this is all trying to bully the board. That's he wants Twitter yeah. to do something, whatever mm-hmm. that thing may be. To and, sell it to uh, and so they um and, and these are the old these remind me of like the nineteen eighties Gordon Gecko green mailing games. <laughs> right? Where you buy a chunk of the company, you threaten a hostile takeover, like you're just trying to get the board to do something. And uh, it's uh, it, it's very Howard Hughes. I don't even remember this, but in the old in, oh, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the days of Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes would like call a hotel that he in a place he wanted to stay. This happened in Vancouver, and he said, "Yeah, I need the whole top floor of your hotel." I, and he's going to pay for it, but I need you to move everybody out of there. I need the entire floor to myself because mm-hmm. he was a germaphobe. And if they hesitated and they said no or anything, he would then get on the phone, buy the hotel, and fire the management. Wow, that's what you can do if you have that kind of money. And and so generally speaking. Yeah, when you have that kind of money, it's like you pretty quickly figured out it is in your best interest to do what he says. But it's the, it is bullying by money. You uh, once famously, I think it was on Mondays, told some jokes, Richard, about, you know, practical jokes for the people who have all the money in the world. What would you do oh, yeah. for a practical no. joke if you had, if money was no object? Then, well, and it, you know, the obvious one for me was have your car converted to right hand drive while you're away on vacation. Yeah. Right. So when you get in your car, the steering wheel's <laughs> on the other side. I think that's hilarious. But move, the, move the, a house by, by a foot. Yeah, just set it back another foot. See if you notice. I like the idea of redoing all the stairs so there's one more stair. <laughs> right? Insanely expensive, ridiculous. But would he, would he, just to see if you noticed, what if we made all the windows like an inch bigger? Right. <laughs> or how about the whole house? I'm going to redo this entire house exactly as it is, but 10% larger. 
Right. And then next time they go on vacation, we'll do it again. Maybe they'll think they're shrinking. Actually, send them on vacation for a year because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think I'd, I'd plan it in advance so they came in to actually do the swap all at once. But Oh, boy. I, don't know. I right, would well, never be bored, that's for sure. Maybe we should introduce <laughs> Phil officially. He's uh, rolling his eyes back there. Okay, Phil Hack has over 20 years of experience, probably over 21 by now, in the software industry. Prior to a Serious Business, Inc., which is where he is now, he was a director <laughs> of engineering at GitHub and helped make GitHub friendly to developers on the Microsoft platform. Yay, Yay Phil. <laughs> Prior to GitHub, he was a senior program manager at Microsoft responsible for shipping ASP.NET, MVC, and NuGet, among other projects. <laughs> Yay. More thank you, stuff. Phil. Uh, all, all good, good, good stuff. You can find him on Twitter at hacked with two A's. Hey, Phil, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. Phil Hack, welcome back. Nice. It's funny. There's, there's, I know there's uh, stuff you want me to talk about, but that whole Elon Musk thing is like break out the popcorn, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I learned what a poison pill was because like I had the same question. Apparently, like uh, you can, a company can always issue, uh, discounted shares to existing shareholders mm-hmm. uh, uh, and exclude him. And then uh, it dilutes his interest in, in the stock and makes it harder for the takeover to occur. So is that legal? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. If the board, and a board agrees to it, it doesn't conflict with laws, the sec rules, you can do it. You can do multi-class share restructuring. Like there's a bunch of ways to make it extremely expensive to do a takeover. I'm not so sure that would stop him though. Well, Remember, he hasn't got a lot of liquid cash either. The only reason he's the richest man in the world is he owns a big chunk of Tesla, which is currently insanely valued. Well, he and offered he can't... Four, $43 billion in cash for Yes, Twitter. with the stipulation of pending financing. Oh, okay. Right? Because he's not allowed to sell a big pile of Tesla stock. He'd destroy the stock. So hmm. he, he can't just go. He doesn't, he's got, hasn't got $43 billion burning a hole in his pocket. Hmm. All right. Well, no uh, left-hand to right-hand drive car modifications for yeah, him. Yeah, stop wasting your time torturing Twitter. There's all these cars that can be pranked. That's right. You're missing out. <laughs> he is. And that fit <laughs> suits his personality, doesn't it? It seems like those are the kinds of things that he would do. I would w- I would hope that was true, but it seems to not be. He's kind of a mischief maker. Oh. So Phil, what the heck is new, man? Oh, um a lot. <laughs> the last time, last time I was on your show, I was talking about a chat ops platform. But uh, you know, I think uh, anyone who re- reads the title of this podcast can guess that uh, we had a little bit of a pivot since then, mm. and uh, it's been quite the learning experience. So, what happened? Like, you, I loved your plan. I loved your your product idea. I played with Abbott. I thought it was really cool. Why change it? So all of that's still going to be there. But um, what we learned is like starting off with a platform is a a really big challenge to selling, especially trying to go cross platform from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, We, you know, we built Abbott on an idea that uh, originated from our experience at GitHub and and the way we worked at GitHub. And what uh, I've since learned is that, um, you know, in, in many ways, GitHub was a bit of a unique snowflake. Uh, a lot of the ways that they worked are not ways that other companies are interested in working. You know, I thought maybe like, oh, like GitHub worked this way, we should do it. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of companies have never even heard of GitHub. The other thing is GitHub had a, uh, had users, 
lot of them, right? And when mm-hmm. you're starting a new platform, that you, you know, you don't you don't have them right away. Exactly. Yeah, and we in a way we were trying to sell a way of working, and that's a, a really tough thing to do from the beginning. Mm. You know, like uh, when anytime you approach a new product, you know, you ask, well, what problem does this product solve? Yeah. And our answer was. Well, our product solves any, what problem do you have? Yeah, like our yeah. problem lets you solve all your problems. <laughs> and people are like, well, I don't have time to solve my own problems and like write code on this platform to solve my own problems. Now we did, you know, we were busy building a lot of like little skills that you could install so that, you know, we were solving a lot of small problems, but uh, it wasn't very easy for us to articulate a single problem you know, that was the sort of killer problem that we solved. So we started looking around at the the pain points that the customers that were playing around with Abbott were having. And one pain point came up over and over again, which is, um, you know, especially in the time of COVID where more and more, you know, people are working from home. Right. Um, You know, it used to be people, if, if you like we're buying, let's say, the API product from a company, you're a big customer and you needed some help with that product. You you can get someone on the phone, you know, uh, maybe go to a meeting with them or, um, you know, maybe they'll tell you to send an email or post an issue in like, you know, their issue tracking software. And what a lot of companies were like, well, no, you know, I don't want to do any of that. What I want is something more immediate, but asynchronous like Slack. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I want to be in a chat room with your engineers. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Slack has this feature called uh, shared channels, which is uh, you can invite another company uh, into a Slack channel um, with your company. And only in that they only have access to that one room in your Slack. But, you, you know, you can talk to each other. And we learned that a lot of companies were using shared channels to support their customers. Um, but finding, you know, as you can imagine, that it becomes a bit of a cluster. Um, you know, I guess what? I can't say that on this. Uh, you know, uh, it, it becomes challenging. Let's say that. <laughs> okay, nice. It becomes a, a fuster cluck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can imagine like, uh, okay, did we respond to this message? Oh, like, you know, things get lost all over the place. Mm. And so we're like, well, look, we have this bot. We have this platform. Uh, this seems like a problem that uh, a lot of our customers really want help with. We could probably solve this particular problem. And, you know, backing up a step, you know, when you look at it, uh, this is probably a lesson we could have learned earlier just based on, you know, what we've seen, you know, in the industry, right? Like Amazon didn't start off with AWS. They started off as a bookseller and then, you know, the platform kind of came out of the product, right? The demands. And I think it's a lot easier to start with a product that solves a particular problem and then build the platform later out of that. And, you know, down the road, we hope to be able to sell the platform as well. Right. So if you get our product, you you get the underlying platform, which is really, really powerful. I think it's, you know, it's fantastic. But it's now it's not the focus of what we're trying to sell. Does that make sense? I had the same problem when I when I did this little project called uh, World Train. So this was back before there was stuff like this where you could have really internet reliable internet video and audio we couldn't even have audio reliably over the internet so this is back in the late 90s and um i found when i i I had a platform for teaching and learning right and i found that people just wanted to take classes from me 
because that's all they knew me from, you know? So they were like, you know, where can I sign up for class? I'm like, no, no, this is a platform for teaching what you want to teach. And it was really, really hard to break out of that um, market because my market is developers. Those are the people that know mm -hmm. me and they, they learn from me, right? So, yeah, I understand that. I also wonder if you – did you change customer too? Like are you selling to a different person when you sell it that way? Uh similar companies actually but different people within the company yeah right so same um, company right but a now, different person making a decision mm. exactly like uh primarily the uh customer success folks um mm -hmm. so uh fortunately you know like i don't have a background in customer success um i usually help them fail uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Fortunately, uh, you know, my co my co-founder he he was in sales and and led customer success. Uh, we have a fantastic product manager uh, who um, also uh, you know has a background in customer success. Uh, but I think uh, Georgia and Don are listening live, so I wanted to say give a shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so we have folks who have deep background in that, and so yeah, we are selling to a different uh, customer now. Um, but you know, it's exciting because like these, our customers tend to be tech companies, right? Uh, you know, these are companies who are building, um, you know, themselves are building platforms and APIs and selling them sure. to their customers. Mm. The kind of thing that needs a lot of, uh, deep support, you know, talking directly with engineers. And so, and, and a lot of them, when we, you know, what was nice is before, you know, we would talk about chat ops and a lot of people would say, Oh, that sounds really cool. And then never do anything about it. Hmm. Um, when we talk about this problem, they're like, "Oh my god, that's a problem we have so bad. Uh, can you give us a demo right now?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's a good position to be in, and and it's really exciting to have that sort of interest. Yeah, no, you you know you're hitting it right when that's that's their reaction. You know, when in the strange loop days, uh, you know we we're making trying to make we had an appliance that made websites go faster, but. And then you tried to sell it to IT people who, A, didn't really care. Uh, or you tried to sell it to the dev who's like, my site was already fast, really. Uh, <laughs> in the in the end, it was the head of sales, the sales man director this, or the, it, that actually wanted that device because they were sold on the idea that faster site went, the more money you made. So mm -hmm. they, they yeah. were the ones yeah. who, they had the budget and they would get through the issues of IT and so forth to get that, that device installed. And it changed our entire sales strategy. Like we stopped going to tech conferences. We went to sales conferences. Like it was, and we were all tech people. So we wanted to sell to our peers. It was a mistake, mm. right? It was go sell to the, the folk, the person who's actually going to want to pay for that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the other aspect was, but only treat half the, we give them a free trial and only treat half the traffic so they can see the income difference. We, and almost never lasted the month. Like within two weeks, when once the head of sales knew how much money he just left on the table in the past two weeks, he's like, "Turn it on, turn it all on," and that was the end <laughs> of that. Up to eleven, but it took us a year to figure that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've been building this for almost two years, I think, and uh, took us a lot of you know make make this change. I think we saw early that we weren't getting the traction that we hoped we were, but right. You know, we thought, oh, like, uh, we just need one more feature. We just need one more feature. Um, but it turned out that uh, that that probably wasn't the case. I, I still hold out hope for it in the long run, but I think it'll help a lot that we have an actual product built on the platform. Uh, some of the hard decisions we had to make, though, um, were 
Um, one of the things, so we're a, a YC company, Y Combinator. Uh, so that's a startup incubator and they give yeah. you a lot of advice. And one of the things they drilled into us um, in their boot, uh, boot camp program, which is like three months, is, you know, product market fit is key. You, you, you can have everything else terrible, but if you can get product market fit, you know, you, you have a chance of succeeding. Right. So that's kind of what we're really, really focused on is product market fit. So one of the things we had to do is realize, well, uh, what is taking time away from reaching product market fit? And it turned out like uh, cross plat. So we drop support for teams. Um, teams doesn't, as far as we know, have the shared channels things, or at least people aren't using it for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we drop support for teams. We still have support for discord, but not, uh, we're not trying to su- support discord. With- in case, in case anyone is confused, um, I should have said this a long time ago. This is a chat bot platform. Right, that you first built and yeah. you wanted to sell the platform, and now you have a product based on that platform, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's some good background. Yeah, I forgot to bring that up. Yeah, and no, I think it might help. But uh, you know, so we were originally focused on chat ops, and chat ops is a term that I think actually originated from GitHub. That uh, you know is about doing operations from within chat. So, uh, and we use it uh, intensely for that purpose. So. Um, you know, we have a uh, webhooks uh, support. So, like when we deploy software, Azure Event Grid will report back into Slack and say, "Oh, yeah, this is you know <laughs> deploying to here." You know, your your swap occurred. Yada yada. Uh, we have a four hundred four checker that comes in. We d- uh, we can deploy to uh, different environments from within chat. See, I'm, I'm picturing. So we're still using it for that. I'm picturing yeah. a conversation in Slack with a customer, right? And the customer says, you know, uh, what we really need is, is, you know, two more or three or four more web farms. And, you know, we want to expand this to a web farm. You say, Oh, hang on one second. And you issue a command and then poof, it's just up. Yeah. All right. Try it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's the dream. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're building some of that out for our own needs. Um, but now our, we're primarily focused on um, this product. Mm. Now, I mean, the, the the commenter at the beginning of the show was your original customer because they were you, right? That as soon as mm-hmm. you described chat ops and what Abbott could do for him, he's like, we have that problem, right? We're yeah. doing this all in email and so forth. So there were yep. some customers for that. I, I presume oh, you yeah, found a few yeah. of them. But but we were growing very, very slow, kind of flat. Yeah, sure. Uh, bef- before we made this uh, change, are you an you know, a, are you a reader of uh, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm? No, but I'm familiar with uh, some of the uh, concepts. Yeah. Well, and he, and he does talk about this idea that there's that like two three percent that are you know you that are your first customers, but they're also their own trap because there's not enough of them, and they'll just keep going deeper and deeper on more and more minutia. When actually you need to broaden the product to that first big segment, that 10% and then that 30% segment. And, you know, in his real point is that crossing the chasm is jumping across each of these segments. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that, that definitely, our experience definitely reflects that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we learned a lot. Like one of the other things is we, you know, we, are, as you might imagine, an ASP.NET Core, you know, EF, uh, Azure shop for the most part. Mm-hmm. We do have, uh, we support writing skills in uh, TypeScript, JavaScript, uh, and Python. So 
you know, we do have other languages in the mix. Um, but um, we're starting to learn the need to sort of isolate ourselves uh, to some degree and uh, insulate ourselves from uh, Azure specific, uh, specifically. And I, I can give you some example. Because, you know, like a lot of times, uh, like you use, a, let's say you use a, what do you call it, an ORM, and you're like, oh, like you'll never need to swap out the database. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you'd be surprised. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> that does come up, you know. In our case, it wasn't the database, but, you know, we, we, we switched from Let's Encrypt to Azure Managed um, uh, Search, right? Because right. it's Cause like, oh, it, you just click a button in there. They, they support Apex domains now. Right. Uh, you know, like root domains. So we're like, oh, yeah, let's use that. That's just one less moving part. Because I, <laughs> I have this real uh, Rube Goldberg setup to update the Let's Encrypt Search every, uh, you know, every couple months. Yeah, using Acme, I presume. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got rid of all that. I just use the Azure managed certs now. Yeah, as, as he as Cart yeah, so said. That, yeah, as you said, yeah. So we switched to we switched to Azure managed certs, but then we needed like we wanted some of our um, web pages to be served from some third party content management system, but others to go to the actual site. Mm. And so we're like, oh, let's you know, so let's use Azure front door. And it's like, oh, okay, that sounds like it does what we need. Oh, but guess what? Azure Front Door doesn't support uh, the uh, Azure Managed Certificates. Azure App Gateway doesn't. Then we learned that Front Door does, but it doesn't support those for like Apex domain. So now we're using Cloudflare. Hmm. And so, you know, we're kind of like, learn, you know, learning all these different things. But in that time, so one of the you know engineering hires we had uh, is... Uh, so I don't know if he, if they've ever been on the show, but Andrew Nurse, uh, you probably know uh, their father, Charles Nurse from .NET News. Yeah, no, and know them both, but no, Andrew's never been on the show. You're right, which is probably a mistake. Hmm. Absolutely, Andrew is a force of nature. Uh, you know, they, when they were a college hire, they wrote the Razor parser. So, wow. <laughs> uh, as an intern, I believe. Wow. Anyway, they uh, moved us to OctoDNS. Are you familiar with OctoDNS? No. No. So this is this is I think this also <laughs> came out of GitHub. You can manage your DNS settings using uh, YAML, and oh, uh, what's oh, nice about it is oh. <laughs> okay. Hold, hold that thought. I know. I know the YAML part, but some know, people actually do use in like YAML. Well, everybody uses it, but some people do like it. Yeah. The the beauty of it more is that it's a text format that you can have in a repo. So yeah. when you need to make DNS changes. You can commit to the repo, have someone review it. When it merges, you can run, you know, run a GitHub action or command to deploy your DNS changes to all your DNS providers. That is cool. Yep. Yeah. The thing I found with YAML, and I think I've said this before, is it's very readable. It's just a bear to write. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the nice thing is that, you know, you have this centralized way that's reviewable because like, you know, how did I make DNS changes before? Mm. <laughs> okay, which site has that domain name? Right. Okay, log into that one. Oh, where's the password? Okay, it's in one password. Good. But, ah. you know, like, I, I go through all these different things. I might mention here that our friends at DN Simple have a C-sharp API for accessing all of your backend stuff on D their DNS servers. Yeah, and so I don't, I haven't dug deep into it, but I imagine that that's what is, that's behind the scenes. It's using a lot of these different APIs to yeah. actually be able to update all the different DNS providers. But And Dave um, now also asks in the chat, not as a question, Dave, 
Uh, does the Azure Cert Management make you use GoDaddy, or can you use good providers too? I think <laughs> I think they do use GoDaddy behind the scenes, but you never have to log on to GoDaddy. They, it's all just it automatically updates. Oh, uh, oh, look, Andrew's here. Ooh, and Andrew Nurse is in the chat. I must have heard right. your ears burning, Andrew. And by the way. Was on a show once. He was in a panel discussion. Okay. Never had his own show, which again, I think is still a mistake. But yeah, Octo DNS supports DN Simple. How about that? DN Simple, so, good. DN Simple, good. Uh, Slow and patty, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. You know, time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment, along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun Alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customers peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage-based plans start from as little as $4 per month with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, -o. and talking to our friend Phil Hack about the state of affairs at a very serious company and the product Abbott, which I guess you're still making it, yeah. but where you originally focused on chat ops, this whole you know Slack approach to doing management of your deployment processes. Now you're broadening its horizons as you and you can call that a pivot but i think it's a very wise one you're not starting over anything sometimes people disguise boy we did something dumb and we're going to do something completely else call it a pivot uh, as opposed to <laughs> hey we've learned more about where customers are and who does have pain around these chat systems like slack and so forth for mm -hmm. well in this case it's there's a, the focus has been on support right a quote unquote customer success yes yeah, and like you said, it's less of a pivot, more of a course correction. Yeah, well, again, learning about your customer. And, I, and every time we remind ourselves that the customer is not us, we're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Like in, in my world, certainly. All too often, we tend to sell to ourselves rather than sell to the people that are actually out there. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, like in terms of like relevant to your audience, right? Like one of the other lessons we learned is if you're building a product, like a product market fit is the you know, most important thing. Sometimes starting off cross-platform may be the wrong approach. Like you focus on one. Expensive. It really is. And, you know, we used the Azure bot service and it, um, it was fine, but you, you're basically lowest common denominator. Right. So when we wanted to do rich UI and Slack, uh, that's what I've been working on lately is, you know, build, you know, leveraging the Slack API to do rich UI. And we weren't able to do that with Azure Bot Service. So it sort of ripped out just about all of Azure Bot Service and kind of going directly to the Slack API. But that was also a learning, too. You came to realize that the majority of your customers were going to be on Slack anyway. And so that mm -hmm. agnosticism you started with thinking was important became less important. I mean, Absolutely. I've talked to startups that are only building the iPhone app right now. 
because the building the Android app too is just too much money, right? Yeah. It's like you can learn enough and, and get your company focused on the right thing with the fewest number of platforms, at least at first. Right. And then once you hit product market fit and growth goes like that, you have the money to hire someone to port it over to the other platform. Right. And you also know what you need to build now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what you're really doing when you go cross platform early is spending more money on the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will, I will say this. So we ripped out Azure Bossers, but uh, I learned the hard way all the things it was doing for us behind the scenes. Cause you know, it's the classic thing. At one point, I was like, oh, what is it even doing for us anyways? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, for example, Slack uh, expects a certain response time and will retry events. And then you have to make sure that you don't duplicate messages. And, and so we had to re-implement all of that ourselves because we're no longer using Azure Bot Service. So that was a, a fun learning experience. But now, you know, what's nice is that we have more control. And I think, you know, that's a, a, another thing as a startup where we're learning, like, I tend to like just using the defaults as much as possible. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I just want Azure App Service. I just want, you know, whatever comes in the box as much as possible because I want to focus on my product. Right. But, uh, you know, as you grow, you learn like, well, as your needs change, you know, if you're too tied to that product, you can't really switch things out. So now we're you know, investigating more containerization and uh, taking a little more control. Usually, if you hear that from a lot of technical people, they always want full control, right? And I, I I've always try to find the, the right balance in between those two things because full control is also very expensive and it takes more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it really just depends on the scenario and what you're building. But, you know, we're learning a lot. Like we, <laughs> one of the changes we made is, oh, we want to change the, uh, uh, you know, handling slack events directly and so slack um you know we changed the url that where slack sends its events Mm -hmm. and uh any we're a published app any change you make has to be approved by them and it could take a couple days so took a couple of days and it swapped over and we're handling the slack events directly and it didn't work (laughs) and i was like okay i could change the url back but that's another two days. Yeah. <laughs> What's so, cheaper, uh, reverting or finding a way forward? Mm. Right. And this is where we realize, okay, we need something in front of us like Azure App Gateway or Azure Front Door. or And now we settle on Cloudflare. Cloudflare. It's like, okay, that's why people <laughs> – that's one of the reasons why people use those services. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides all of the other things that they do, the CDN effects and the DDoS resistance and so forth. Are so are is this is Abbott acting as a service too, or do people Im- implement their own standalone implementations of of Abbott separate from you? Like, are you you getting a monthly check? Oh no, it's a it's yeah. a service. So we're listed in the Slack App Store, and so the way it works is um, we direct people to ab.bot, mm-hmm. and you um, you go there and you can see kind of like. Uh, what our new focus is. And then there's a login link and you log in with your Slack account. Right. And when you do that, it sets up an organization, sets everything up and then gives you a link to install Abbott into your um, chat. Um, and then you know you can use it uh, down the road. We will probably support white labeling. You know, that's uh, something that's come up a lot. So the mm-hmm. idea that, well, maybe you don't want it named Abbott. Maybe you want it to be my company support bot. And right. uh, we let you, you can, name rename what it looks like but 
you have limited control over that with Slack. And so, um, you know, white labeling could happen, but yeah, completely a hosted service that uh, we host for yeah. people. And, and white labeling is a, another, a very expensive feature to implement. Yeah. Is that one and, uh, on-prem that's come up a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also people, you know, they often with on-prem people think they want it until they actually have it. Then they don't want mm-hmm. it that much more. See SharePoint. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> right. That's right, an example. Right. Yeah. Well, and often the people that want it are not the people who are actually going to have to install it and maintain it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, we don't want to have to implement it, but like, no. uh, no, you gotta, we'll, you gotta we'll stack up enough. This person is not buying because before it actually worthwhile. We also found that when we, then we offered it and then they never bought it. Right. Mm. They just bought, then they use the shared product anyway. It's like we got to a point in strangely where we started listing products purely to make people comfortable. Like we made one version of the appliance that did not make me feel comfortable. So then we made product sheets for a mini appliance and an enterprise appliance. So there was a super big one in case you had to scale to monster size and there was a super cheap one. We never built either, but we increased our sales of the main product by boxing it between the big, a big product and a small product. I wonder what's the sales pitch for the on-prem product? Is it, Hey, how would you like to be at your daughter's wedding and get called in to reboot the servers? now you too can take control of your own hardware yeah to 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 the on-prem point like Mm -hmm. i I get when you're talking about uh should i host my own git server Uh, i trust github security over most anyone else's Mm. when it's uh you know this a serious business who i've never heard of i I understand like why you might want on-prem then because like you know who are we like we're you know so we are currently working very hard on getting all the, the certifications, all the three letter acronyms that will make people feel a little more comfortable with trusting us with their, uh, you know, conversations. Mm. But at the same time, you are running it in the cloud, the most reliable way to run software anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, we're not putting any data on any machines that yeah. are not in Azure. <laughs> yeah. This is all in Azure. So, but you, and you, which does mean you are dealing with, the challenges of multi-tenancy, mm-hmm. right? Which is, that's an, you talk about a hard problem. That's a hard problem too. And one you kind of can't avoid. Yeah. Yeah. So biggest thing that happens if you go on-prem is system integration. At Strangeloop, we learned very quickly, if you have to put stuff in people's network, then when their network goes wrong, it's always your fault. And by the way, their network always goes wrong, <laughs> right? Everybody's network has something wrong in it. They just have been ignoring it. Right. And, and you're going to take that on. It, it, it's, I mean, if you actually work out the cash flow document for what it takes to support on prem, I'd put that way down the list, man. Like those are really <laughs> expensive customers. And, you know, a lot of times when people say on prem, they would be happy with, well, on our own Azure servers or AWS servers, which is, you know, like the hybrid on prem. Yeah. That might work as well. Carl, by the way, I, I love that you have the, the big glass of wine energy you're bringing to this. Well, you know, it only looks big to you, but it's actually very, very small compared to my head. Are you doing video gags on a podcast? I love everything about that. This is a, actually, can I do a plug for a good bottle of wine? Why not? This is Lan Rioja. Lan. It is oaky, and it's only like $12 a bottle. 
It's from Spain. You've had a Rioja fixation. I love Rioja. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed. You know, someday I hope y'all do the bourbon trail again and, and bring me along. I oh, remember that time y'all, uh, funny you came should by, mention picked me that. up in the yeah. RV and, and that was some good bourbon. Yeah. Well, it's uh, some tips for, uh, podcasters. Don't get your guest hammered before you go in and interview them. Yeah. Wait till record after. first, drink second. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, in a one hour show, I would, I would start pouring the bourbon at the break. Because <laughs> yeah. if you board at the beginning, things go wrong. Well, we're supposed to do a 20th anniversary show in Louisville That's in right. August at uh, Code Palooza. At Code Palooza. So uh, we haven't got all the details nailed down yet, but uh, we know the day is going to be Friday, I think. Something like that. I think that's what he said. So if you're inclined there, Mr. Hack, I would love to have you join. That would be good fun. Sounds great. <laughs> well, that was a nice uh, diversion. Let's get back to uh, the topic. Yeah. I've been paying very close attention to this whole is Azure ready for startups versus AWS? Because certainly. Mm. It's not just in the Val. AWS seems to be the default for most startups. And, you know, the fact that you ended up with Cloudflare is an interesting point, although that's not necessarily Amazon either. It's Cloudflare. Right. I mean, we're in a position where we definitely want to look at what are the best tools for the job. Mm, sure. Um, but, you know, I don't mean to sound like an Azure shill, but like one of the things I really liked about Azure is having been on the Azure team as part of, uh, you know, developer division. Mm-hmm. Like I'm familiar with it. It's very developer focused, I think, mm-hmm. as opposed to like operations focused. Yeah. And also, you know, shout out to the Microsoft startup program. They gave us a, a crap ton of credits. Mm. Nice. Well, that, and that was my next question. It's like they did have a package for you, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a, a great benefit for startups is, you know, we got a lot of credits uh, for Azure uh, the YC program got us a lot of credits for uh, AWS. And right. so, you know, one of the things we would probably look at is like uh, trying out different things because, you know, we don't want to be so tied to one. Like we may want to be able to easily run uh, like our skill runners so that the stuff that runs the custom code mm-hmm. uh, on multiple different platforms. So that is definitely something we we containerize because, uh, there may be customers who don't want us running the code for them. They want that part at least running on their systems so that they can access internal systems to provide a better experience. What intercloud authentication? What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, but I you know I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, that that that, that may be one reason why we're we're, uh, we're sticking with one for the moment. You know, like any t- as you add more and more cloud, it definitely gets uh, a lot more complicated. Yeah. Well, and containers appear to be portable between platforms, and but there's always rough edges. Every implementation mm-hmm. seems to be a little bit different, uh, you know, how they deal with certain aspects. And, and so you pretty quickly, you're like, oh, I'm in a container. It shouldn't be that hard. It's like, oh, there's going to be some things. There's always going to yeah. be some things. When you hit those subtleties like, you know, wildcard domains, that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, no, we all support SSL. Oh, yeah, no, we all support domains. But they all do it a little differently. And you're, yeah, and you're yeah. one of the problems. And I know a lot of people are using containers for develop development environments. And mm-hmm. I can see the appeal of that of, you know, pull the container down and everything's set up. And, uh, you know, we're not quite doing that just yet. Um, we'd like to use GitHub code spaces, but like we also use Rider. So um, we, uh, and I don't think they have great support for that just yet. So we're, uh, 
you know, kind of just doing it the old school way, you know, get clone and uh, open up Rider and start writing code. Why Rider? Because I run on a Mac. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it, it, here's the great irony. When I joined GitHub, I was the, uh, like, it was actually in my offer letter, you know, Windows badass, right? I was the <laughs> Windows guy. Yeah. And then the whole time I was one of the few people at GitHub that actually ran Windows because the whole point was to make GitHub friendlier for Windows developers. Nothing makes it friendlier than getting bought by Microsoft. So that, you know, that worked out. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then when I left GitHub, like near the end, I got a MacBook, uh, you know, and I was, I, I, this is when I was a director of engineering and not writing code every day. So I was like, oh, I'll get the computer that everyone else is using because I, and mainly because uh, I couldn't get GitHub, you know, the development environment for GitHub, the website running on my uh, Windows machine uh, well. Mm. Right. So I got a MacBook so I could uh, actually, you know, uh, get the dev-, dev environment for the GitHub site. And then uh, after leaving GitHub, I just kind of got, you know, sort of really liked uh, using the Mac. And, uh, uh, you know, I had my dot files all set up and everything all, you know, my bash scripts all running fine. And so I, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, like we're all using, uh, you know, AS- like I said, Microsoft Tech, ASP.NET Core. But all of us develop on Macs. Hmm. So, what about Visual Studio for Mac? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a fine product. Um, <laughs> but uh, Writer, uh, I, I like. I just happen to like Writer better uh, for the Mac. Well, you're not, and you're not alone, right? Like people say great things about Writer, but it's always going to be this kind of issue too, which is the leading edge features that Microsoft owns are going to show up in the Microsoft products first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I was on Windows, I would use Visual Studio, but yeah. on a Mac, I find that I really enjoy using Writer. It's been uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah, and uh, you know, using the latest version of ASP.NET Core and C Sharp, it, it's been it's really been a joy to write code on this platform. I was just thinking, like, if this was like ten years ago and I had to use the old uh, .NET framework and ASP.NET, you know, even with MVC, mm-hmm. like this would be. Uh, yeah, it'd be fine. Like uh, a lot of people build great products on that, but it is so much more fun writing code for uh, uh, with the latest uh, version of C sharp and mm-hmm. .NET Core. So you don't you're using contemporary C sharp syntax, like you're taking advantage of immutables and like all of that sort of behavior because records, yeah, yeah, pattern matching, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, this is the thing I was pushing on Mads on back in the day. It's like, I love these new features, but all the old ones still work. Like, how do you convince people to actually use the new feature? Tell them to watch the .NET show. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I could show you the, you know, the diffs where, like, we get rid of a crap ton of code because we switch from, you know, classes to records for, for types that are, like, just DTOs, right? And mm. think about, like, when you're interacting with an API, almost everything is just a simple data transfer object, right? It's a mm. shape of the, uh, you know, of the JSON payload translated to C-sharp. And so, you know, that's a case where record, uh, you know, the record type works really well. It's just declarative. Generally, yeah, you, you want it immutable, you know, uh, you just declare, you know, the, the property names in the constructor yeah. and you don't have to have a separate property declaration and a separate constructor declaration. Easy. And then, uh, you know, I, I sometimes go maybe a little overboard with things and have to kind of dial it back just because I, 
like, oh, how can I turn this into a pattern match? And it's like, <laughs> uh, like not everything uh, necessarily needs to be a pattern match or a record. A hammer but, in search uh, of a nail. I'm really looking forward to list patterns that are coming in the next version of C Sharp. I, I, I've lost track of what number we're on. I guess C Sharp 10? No, we're on 10. Yeah. Or 11? We're on 10, we're yeah. On, we're on 10. Okay, 11, so 11. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of C Sharp. Uh, I, I can't wait to start using those. Because they're like we ended up implementing... Um, a type that lets us do kind of some of the similar things that list patterns will let us do. So, you know, a common thing is like, you know, we, we do argument parsing, right? Like if you're telling Abbott to do something, we need to give you a nice way to parse all the arguments. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes you want to pop off the first argument and just have the rest of the arguments as a list. And so we wrote a type that lets you do that, but it turns out that, um, uh, you know, list patterns will let you do that sort of thing you know, the first class feature of the C-sharp language. <laughs> to check that out. Yeah. What, uh, what most excites you about, um, besides list patterns, what most excites you about uh, C-sharp today? <laughs> I was talking to Scott Hanselman at Dev Intersection, and I said, man, I just love mm-hmm. the global usings and implicit. He goes, yeah, I don't know why everybody gets so excited about that. It's just, you know, it's just programming. Yeah, well. Saves me a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I hate having to fill in usings just to, comp- you know, to appease the compiler. It's like, you know what I mean? Just freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I don't know if we're, I've been using global usings, but, um, you know, uh, the top level of namespaces is nice. Great. You know, like get rid of one whole level of indention. Yep. <laughs> and I think, you know, the last the last couple of features, it's not like there's like this one killer feature that just blows everyone away. It's, it's the, um, it's sort of the set of feature that makes up the whole, right? Yeah. And a lot of it has been, okay, let's look at common use cases mm-hmm. and common ways people write code and how can we just make it, uh, uh, you know, that much better, yeah. that much simpler, a, a little less um, verbose, uh Probably the the thing that I think would be uh, really interesting to add is you know, some sort of first class support for JSON. I think so much of C sharp code is like mapping types to JSON or, or managing and working with JSON. And uh, you know David Fowler, who I'm sure has been on the show mm-hmm. before, yes. uh, he opened a, a GitHub issue that um, addresses some of that. And there's been a lively discussion there about the. Uh, um, you know, possibility of adding some better support in C Sharp for that sort of thing. And that kind of thing excites me as well, because, like, I do spend a lot of time just mapping mapping things to JSON. Well, and James and, Newton King is now a Microsofty, so you would think a lot of love ought to go into JSON these days. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we use JSON.net uh, all over the place. Like, yeah. I know that uh, we had to switch... Uh, the uh, default so ASP.NET Core now I think it defaults to system.text.json yeah, so you can right. actually switch it back and we had to do that for various reasons I ran into a problem with that and that is you have to use uh, if you're going to be working with an API on the back end just in regular .NET and using JSON um, it it lowercases all the in the JSON it lowercases all the property names so you actually come back with nothing and you have to actually specifically mm. use an option to say hey Ignore the case or whatever it is. A little that just kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, and like system dot. Yeah, there's like some weird behavior differences that I was not expecting. Like system text JSON, if you serialize a type, 
it will only serialize the problem uh, properties declared on that type unless it unless you pass it something that's typed as object mm. in which case it'll actually reflect over it and and do it hmm. and i was like oh, okay. uh, yeah why? like um, maybe there's a good WTF, reason for that, man. but like yeah exactly like i didn't have enough hoops to jump through i know we're off on a tangent here at the end of the show but i got excited about ia sync enumerable so that you can do yield return from uh an async call which ultimately means that if you're calling that from ui it's instant great stuff boy that sure sounds like a better know framework yeah it's actually a blazor train yeah so go to blazor train and i talk about uh um, it starts with Signal R streaming. I actually do an intro on basic streaming in general with iAsync enumerable and then go into Signal R. And then I actually implemented that in REST and gRPC as well. Hmm. Guess which was faster? Hmm. Hmm. gRPC. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, Phil, uh, what's next for Abbott? What haven't you built yet? Oh, well. Uh, w- the main thing I'm working on currently is um, adding support for all the Slack uh, UI widgets. So, right. uh, for example, you can have messages that have buttons and inputs and then um, adding support for modal dialogues. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool part will be that, you know, our own code will use that, of course, for our UI. But uh, we're giving that ability to skill authors who can, um, we provide a really nice, simple API that lets them do that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, again in JavaScript, Python, and C sharp, mm. and so um, it creates this really powerful tool. Uh, you know, one of the I think uh, underrated features of Abbott is, you know, before like it, let's say you had an idea for some Slack integration, mm-hmm. you'd have to you know uh, spin up an app, host it somewhere, and then register it with Slack. You know, Slack. Um, you don't have to publish to the App Store, but you have to create a Slack app. Right, and then you you have this one app, and then you want to do another one. You got to go through that process again. Um, with Abbott, you install this once, and then uh, you know we're we're sort of like the back door, right? Like you install this once, and now we we have this page where in the browser um, or using our command line tool, you can uh, write a bunch of different skills, and each skill has is going to have that full access to the Slack API, right? But you also get to iterate rapidly because you're not waiting for store authentication over and over again, right? Exactly, exactly. And 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 that's the, you know, when we first started at it, we had this idea of it being sort of a problem discovery tool, right? <laughs> Where like you could, uh, you know, you could build all kinds of different, you know, interactions with chat uh, very, very quickly. And then, you know, if one of those like took off or, you know, was really interesting, you could take, you know, maybe take it out and put it in an actual Slack app if you wanted. Um, but, you know, like doing it through our, our skill system is actually really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a great way to rapidly prototype uh, rich chat interactions. Nice. Um, so, you know, it, I mentioned like we're not like focused on chat apps, but um, what the product we're building, you know, like let's say you, you're in a shared channel and a, a new person comes in and asks a question our bot can respond with a set of buttons, you know, to help them self-select. Oh, is this a problem with this or that? Mm-hmm. You know, down the road, maybe we sprinkle a little machine learning on that. But right. for now, you know, like uh, but, we don't want we don't want the clippy experience. So like we'll, we'll do it more self-directed like, <laughs> oh, hey, you know, I'm Abbott. I'm here to help. You know, someone will be with you, you know, in this time, you know, like according to your like uh, SLOs or whatever, um, you know, click one of these buttons if you, you know, know, like what kind of problem it is and then you know 
and then the the customer our customers can start to enhance that and fully customize it using code to like do any kind of thing they want maybe you know look up uh, something in an internal database or nice. internal knowledge base things like that but the the out of the box experience is going is going to be you know we're focused on making that really really nice but then for those who want to go deeper like they have the full power of like code to do that wow. as far as they want to go sounds good man exactly well uh, i guess it looks like our time has just about come to an end uh, Phil, thanks very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, it's been fun. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the MCC. Yes, I'm a...